Today's show is brought to you by the best-selling book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide, full-spectrum treatments to optimize your dog's life quality and longevity. It's available everywhere books are sold, in both paperback and digital editions, and on the publisher's website at dogcancerbook.com. Use coupon code PODCAST on that website to get 10% off the Dog Cancer Survival Guide today. So one of the effects with artemisinin is to react with iron, and that causes some free radical formation, and which damages the cells. Almost all cancers have a higher iron concentration than regular cells, but some certain types of cancers have even more iron than other cancers. So the osteosarcoma, at least in the dog cell lines that they've looked at, have a particular high iron receptor on the cells. Welcome to Dog Cancer Answers, where we help you help your dog with cancer. Here's your host, James Jacobson. Hello, friend. Sometimes in medicine, we discover that a medication that was designed for one purpose is also helpful in other ways. One of those multi-purpose remedies is artemisinin, which originally became famous for treating malaria. Well, it turns out that artemisinin is also helpful in the fight against cancer. Joining us today is our chief medical editor, Dr. Nancy Reese. Nancy has been a practicing veterinarian for over 30 years and also has a master's degree in preventative veterinary medicine and a PhD in epidemiology. Dr. Nancy, once again, thank you so much for joining us on Dog Cancer Answers. Well, it's nice to be here. Life seems to be returning to a little more normality and it's great to be back to regular activities. It is nice to talk about things that, you know, aren't necessarily all COVID all the time. And that's actually what we're going to talk about on today's show. We're going to talk about artemisinin, which is something that Dr. Dressler talks about in the Dog Cancer Survival Guide. And he recommends it particularly for sarcomas, especially osteosarcoma. And he suggests this certain rotation of five days on, five days off. And it's in the nutraceutical chapter, uh, which I think is chapter 12 of the book. But since the book came out a few years ago, there has been so much widespread use of artemisinin. And so I wanted to get your take on it because I know things are constantly evolving in veterinary medicine. and. What are your thoughts about artemisinin? Well, you certainly write about things constantly changing. And in any medication or anything that we ever talk about, whether it's alternative, natural, or drug-related, it's hard to keep up with the many changes that, that happen in dosing suggestions, particularly depending on what source you look at. It's pretty fascinating. In fact, um, originally it started out as an anti-malarial drug. And I think it was 2015 that the Nobel Prize in physiology or medicine, I can't remember which, but the Nobel Prize went to somebody who discovered the agent artemisinin that is in the silk wormwood plant. It's just one particular species of wormwood plant that has this agent, so not all types of wormwood have it, but the one particular strain does have the artemisinin in it. And it was originally developed as an anti-malarial drug and then through usage and, I guess, laboratory testing, they started to find some anti-cancer benefits by using it as well. Is it one of those things that basically it started just as a natural remedy and then turned into a drug, it sounds like, in terms of anti-malaria? 
Yes, yes. I think, you know, how they first discovered using it. I mean, I'm always fascinated by who the first person that tries <laughs> any substance for something. I mean, right. the odd pathways have to be uh strange ways that people find things out. But yeah, so I think it was more of a, you know, sort of a trying something out, found out that it worked on malaria. And then maybe based on the mechanisms that it worked against the malaria, they started testing it in cancer cells and things. They've since the discovery of the one particular thing, the artemisinin, they've come up with some derivatives of it that are probably a little bit more effective in terms of treating things like cancer. So they have some sort of synthetic versions of artemisinin that might be a little bit more potent. And is it considered a drug or an herb at this point, especially as it's used for dog cancer? I would say the artemisinin itself is more of an herb, but the derivatives could kind of be considered a drug, although they aren't FDA regulated or anything like that. But the derivatives tend to be formed in, in a mixture and it's going to be a little bit more consistent dosing than just taking a straight herbal preparation of the pure artemisinin. So it's more standardized than many natural products are. Right. And that makes dosing a little bit more, well, I hate to say it's straightforward because it really isn't, but you know, you, if you have a synthetic thing, you know exactly how much is going in there and it might be a little bit easier to get a quote exact dose. So let's talk a little bit about the dosing, because in Dr. Dressler's book, in, in the Dark Cancer Survival Guide, he says to basically do the five-day on, five-day off rotation. That's not the case anymore. The break doesn't necessarily make as much sense as it once did. Is that right? I, th I think that's true, as more people have studied it. And when, when looking at studies, the dosage ranges are quite dramatically different. But in most studies, there was one in particular that looked at a high dose for a short period of time and then taking off versus a low dose consistently. And there was really no difference in whether they were dosed consistently or had higher doses for short term. Hmm. But they did have a little bit more side effects of the higher dose for the short term. So most recommendations are now to give it consistently for at least a period of, say, eight weeks and then if it's effective, you could potentially try dropping it down to an every other day dosing. But it really depends on the particular product and honestly, between the particular person prescribing it. What cancers benefit from artemisinin? So one of the mechanisms they think that it has for anti-cancer effect is related to the amount of iron that's in the cancer cells. So one of the effects with artemisinin is to react with iron, and that causes some free radical formation, and which damages the cells. Almost all cancers have a higher iron concentration than regular cells, but some certain types of cancers have even more iron than other cancers. So the osteosarcoma, at least in the dog cell lines that they've looked at, have a particular high iron receptor on the cells. They have a lot of the, the enzyme that brings the iron into the cell and rapidly dividing cells need more iron. So osteosarcoma is certainly one that seems to have a good effect. In a lot of the test tube or laboratory studies, they've looked at, let me see if I can remember these, um, breast cancer, rectal cancer, prostate cancer, kidney cancer, I believe melanoma and the osteosarcoma, I think those are kind of the top ones that have been studied. And artemisinin seems to have a pretty good effect in test tubes against all those cell lines. Are there cancers that should avoid using artemisinin? Obviously, it's not appropriate for all cancers. 
Yeah, there's very few contraindications or ones that it wouldn't help Mm. somewhat, but they do say anything that involves radiation within several months should not have artemisinin. And then there also might be if the animal happens to be on a seizure drug, whether it's related to its cancer or not, probably should not have the artemisinin because there does seem to be an interaction there. We're going to take a short break here. And when we return, we're going to get into how to talk to your veterinarian about trying artemisinin with your dog. We'll be right back. And now a message from your dog. Oh, every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. Oh, I want to run. I want to sniff. Ooh, I want to find a good stick to carry. Oh, I want to roll in the grass. Oh, and warm my belly in the sun. Oh, I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want ever pop. The green, glassy beef liver smell wakes my senses. Oh, you may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy. It infuses any food you give me with healthy life vibrancy. Oh, I can feel it. Ever pop traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. I'm so grateful to be your dog. And for the Everpop you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpop, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpop is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. If your dog has cancer, you need to get a copy of the best-selling animal health book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. Because no matter what you've heard, there are always steps that you can take to help your dog fight and maybe even beat cancer. At nearly 500 pages, this comprehensive guide is your complete reference for practical, evidence-based strategies that can optimize the life quality and longevity of your dog. It's written by two of the most respected names in dog cancer, full-spectrum veterinarian Damian Dressler and veterinary oncologist Susan Ettinger. With the Dog Cancer Survival Guide, you'll learn everything that you need to know about conventional treatments, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, including how to reduce their side effects. You'll also discover the most effective non-conventional options, including nutraceuticals and supplements and diet, as well as mind-body medicine. What I love most about this book, which I've used with my own dog, Kanga, when she was diagnosed with cancer, is how to analyze the options and develop a specific plan for your own dog based on your dog's type of cancer and your dog's age, your financial budget, as well as your personality. You can get the Dog Cancer Survival Guide wherever books are sold, but if you get it direct from the publisher, you will save 10% when you use the offer code, especially for listeners of this podcast. Just go to dogcancerbook.com, and when you check out, use the promo code PODCAST, and you will save 10%. The website again, dogcancerbook.com, and use the promo code PODCAST to save 10%. 
I want to let you know about an important newsletter. It's called Dog Cancer News. Now, with a name like that, it is not for everyone. But if your dog has cancer, you will want to subscribe. That's because every issue features articles that will be helpful, such as low-carb dog cancer diet recipes, new clinical trials, financial resources to help pay for cancer care, information on supplements, and lots of other helpful info that your veterinarian may not know or have the time to share with you. Also, when you subscribe to Dog Cancer News, you will get a weekly update on the topics covered on this podcast, along with links and resources. So how much does Dog Cancer News cost? Well, today, you can subscribe for free. It's our gift. For a limited time, you can get a full year's subscription for free. No strings attached. Just go to this website to sign up for the newsletter now, dogcancernews.com. It takes less than 10 seconds to subscribe, and it is totally free. Do it now at dogcancernews.com. And we are back with Dr. Nancy Reese discussing artemisinin for dogs with cancer. Is your experience that most veterinarians like know about and use artemisinin? Is it still sort of undiscussed things in most vet circles? I would definitely put it in the undiscussed things, yes. <laughs> and it really, it, it seems like it has a lot of potential. There's even been some work that showed that it may sensitize some of the cancer cells to become less resistant to the chemotherapies that they're on. So a nice adjuvant or additional treatment that might prevent the cells from getting resistant to the chemotherapy, which seems to happen a lot in the cancer. So it would be nice if it was more widespread usage so that we could better refine what it's going to be good for and not. Why do you suppose it is not more readily known and why do you suppose you know vets aren't using it more frequently? Well, I, I always hate to say it, but the anything that starts from kind of the alternative realm yeah. sometimes is looked looked down upon as probably too strong of a word. But traditional veterinarians, Western veterinarians are so used to, I want a really good clinical study where you give me X dose in this particular type of cancer and it works X percent of the time. Mm -hmm. Things that come out of the again, that sort of the more natural and alternative, they often don't have that specific correlation because it's it's something like, well, I've used it in 20 different kinds of cancers and some of them respond. It's just not as controlled of a study that traditional vets then just can't take it as, as solid evidence. And it's really hard to, to get it accepted use without those really good studies, which people are working on, but they just haven't really come out yet. Is there pharmaceutical companies behind the studies or is it universities or who's doing the studies? That's a good question because I did look up at the, um, I think it's the NIH that has clinicaltrials.gov. Mm -hmm. And there are a huge number of studies that list artemisinin as a subject of interest. So there's definitely a lot of focus on it. But unfortunately, a lot of those studies never come to light because I, I think I found one statistic that said out of 920 clinical studies on different agents, only 32 ended up having results that were published. So you can have you know, a huge number of interest in artemisinin or any substance like that, but the trials may never make it to clinically useful information. But again, it does suggest that there is a lot of interest out there. So, Dr. Nancy, how much does artemisinin cost roughly? 
going to always depend on the type of product you get. And that's one of the things that I have or an issue that we have with any naturally derived product is the quality of the product. So it's not regulated or anything else. So you're going to get what you pay for sometimes, or you might pay for something that has nothing in it. So it's a little bit hard, but typical bottles that I was looking at anywhere from 20 to $75 for a product. I think I looked on Amazon and you might end up going through two bottles a month. So it would be a fairly inexpensive, mm-hmm. depending on your point of view, product to use as an adjunctive treatment to any kind of cancer therapy. So as an adjunct, do you think that artemisinin is worth it? I, I think it really seems to have some potential. I mean, I just love the idea that it maybe will make cells more sensitive to the chemotherapies that they're on. Or even by itself, it seems to, in addition to the iron free radical formation effect, they've discovered that in some cancer cell lines, it helps to induce apoptosis, reduces blood vessel formation to help reduce the spread, decreases the cell signaling that's so important in cancer cells. So it it seems to have, it almost hits all those classic hallmarks of cancer that Dr. Dressler talks about in the book. Artemisinin seems to have some effect on almost all of those very important cancer pathways. So I really think it's an exciting adjunctive treatment in addition to maybe having some primary anti-cancer effects in itself. So for listeners who are thinking now, I would like to add this as part of my protocol and they talk to their vet about artemisinin and the vet says, I, I don't know art. Who, who is art missing? Um, <laughs> wh- how do you guide your vet through that conversation? So first thing I guess I would ask is if the person asking the person with the dog with mm-hmm. cancer or the vet themselves, if they know of a holistic vet that they both work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really nice to have that conversation with somebody that routinely prescribes it because a lot of traditional Western vets might say, I don't know anything about that. I wouldn't use it because it's not standard. But if they have a good relationship with a holistic vet or the dog guardian can reach out to holistic vet and have that conversation, you know, that way they can be aware of any potential interactions or experience with it. I I like to think that vets are becoming more open-minded about combining that stuff, especially when there really is a lot of There's a lot of papers out there that describe the low toxicity of artemisinin and the potential benefits. So I I think the information's out there and we could possibly put a list of links of papers or things that a listener could potentially bring to their vet saying, see, this is why I want to use it. It's safe. It might have these effects and there's really minimal downsides to using it. We will do that. We'll add that link in the show notes. And I know that you're working on a white paper for the next update for the dog cancer survival guide that will help veterinarians understand a little bit more about things like artemisinin. Yeah, I think it's easy. It's nice to have readily accessible things so that somebody doesn't have to, I hate to say this, but doesn't have to go looking on their own. Right. (laughs) And then they can click the links and then read about it through the NIH repository and learn about it and think, well, you know, this is not snake oil. There may be something to it. What else do we need to understand about artemisinin? One of the issues with artemisinin in general, it doesn't last in the body very long. So it has what's called a short half-life. Mm. So you can take it, but the levels in your bloodstream are going to go down very quickly. Mm. It also has pretty low absorption or, quote, bioavailability, meaning that you ingest it, 
and then it doesn't necessarily get to where it needs to go. So there is development of something called a nanodrug or a, a carrier type of thing to increase that absorption. Hmm. And other studies are looking at using it in some injection form. So oral is always nice because everybody would rather treat their person or animal at home, but we need to find ways to make it more absorbable and available. Well, Dr. Nancy, this has been fascinating. I think that the more we look at the full spectrum of things that are available to helping folks care for dogs with cancer, the better. And I appreciate you spending some time with us today to talk about artemisinin. All right. Well, I definitely agree. It's a part of that full spectrum care, and I think it's got a lot of potential use out there. Dr. Nancy, thank you. And I want to thank you, listener. Please check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned in today's episode, including where to find the book, The Dog Cancer Survival Guide. For additional information, I hope you will subscribe to our newsletter, which is called Dog Cancer News. And you can go to the website dogcancernews.com to sign up. That's dogcancernews.com. If you have a dog with cancer and could use some support, I would encourage you to join our incredibly friendly, useful, and just like feel good community on Facebook. And you can find that by typing in the URL dogcancersupport.com that will direct you straight into that Facebook group. Again, the URL is dogcancersupport.com. Well, thanks for hitting that play button today. If this information was helpful, please do us a favor and tell a friend about Dog Cancer Answers. Perhaps share it on social media. This show might just be what your friend or your friend's friend needs to hear since cancer is so prevalent these days in dogs. Also, please consider telling your veterinarian and your veterinarian office about Dog Cancer Answers. I'm James Jacobson. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Thank you for listening to Dog Cancer Answers. If you'd like to connect, please visit our website at dogcanceranswers.com or call our listener line at 808-868-3200. And here's a friendly reminder that you probably already know. This podcast is provided for informational and educational purposes only. It's not meant to take the place of the advice you receive from your dog's veterinarian. Only veterinarians who examine your dog can give you veterinary advice or diagnose your dog's medical condition. Your reliance on the information you hear on this podcast is solely at your own risk. If your dog has a specific health problem, contact your veterinarian. Also, please keep in mind that veterinary information can change rapidly. Therefore, some information may be out of date. Dog Cancer Answers is a presentation of Maui Media in association with Dog Podcast Network. Does the act of taking paper to pen and writing help to heal a broken heart after your dog dies? Sheila Cooperman says yes. She joins us on Dog Cancer Answers to tell her true tale about Tucker, her dog who died last year from lymphoma. Sheila shares how writing about him is helping her heal not only from his loss, but from other heartbreaks as well. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts and at dogcancer.com slash podcast. <laughs>